Today's scripture reading is from Hebrews 1, verses 1 and 2, and the page in the Pew Bible is 1001. I'll say a prayer. <coughs> Lord God, may your word be a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Long ago, many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets, but in these last days he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom he also created the world. Well, this morning we begin our series on Hebrews, and um, be looking at uh, this book that um, we're not sure who wrote it, not sure who they wrote it to, um, not sure exactly when it was written, uh, but we know ultimately it is the Word of God for us, and so we, we hear God speaking to us uh, through this book. As I said, we're not sure um, a lot of those things. I've discovered as I was preparing for this series that not knowing uh, doesn't stop scholars from spending lots and lots of pages speculating. Um, so there's lots of things uh, positing possible authors, but again, it's all speculation. We're not sure. In the earliest history of the church, the Greek-speaking eastern half of the Roman Empire uh, was convinced it was written by the Apostle Paul. And the Latin-speaking western half of the um, empire uh, was convinced it was anyone other than Paul. So there's your answer. It's either written by Paul or it's not written by Paul. Uh, we're not sure who it's to, but... Um, and there's different dates uh, posited. I, I find most convincing um, a date that would precede the destruction of the temple, which would have been in A.D. 70. And the reason for that is a lot of what's going on here is saying how Jesus is better than the priesthood and the temple, and it just would have been such an obvious thing for the author to go and say that's why the temple was destroyed if it had been destroyed at this time. Uh, again, that's not in Scripture, that so it's you know nothing clearly saying that it's dated, but that seems to be a good idea. In other words, within 40 years of Christ's death and resurrection, and that means for many of us who are kind of thinking about things that happened in the 80s, as though it was yesterday, and then you realize, oh, that's not Prince's new album. Prince is dead. That that was 40 years ago. Is that, is that math right? Don't Please don't tell me I'm thinking even further back. But, but you're thinking of things that happened 40 years ago. That's in your lifetime. And for some of us, those events are a lot more clear than things that happened yesterday. So this is written to people who would have been in the lifetime of that these events. Um, it was written to a people who were either Jewish Christians who were being tempted to go back into um, the practices of the Old Covenant through sacrifice and that sort of thing, or it was possibly kind of uh, um, Christian, Gentile Christians who were being told that now you need to become fully Christian by 
worshiping at the temple and being circumcised and this sort of thing. So the, the great temptation is to leave what we have as believers in Christ and to return or to go to um, other practices. And so the great message is really saying Jesus is superior as the fulfillment of things Therefore, why would you want to settle for less? That, and, and so hold fast to what you have. That's the great message of the book. And it, it lays that out in a beautiful way for us. Um, and today's passage is really showing that Jesus is superior to the prophets. So long ago, many times, many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. There's continuity and contrast here. So... The God who speaks to us in Jesus is the same God who spoke to Abraham and to Moses and to David and to Isaiah and Ezekiel and Habakkuk. It's the same voice. It's the same God who speaks. But he does does so speaking many times in many ways. So he's, he's recounting all of the history of God's people to say God spoke to Moses in a burning bush. God spoke to Noah in some way to tell him to build an ark. God spoke to um, Ezekiel through visions. God spoke to Joseph through dreams. God spoke to um, um, David through a prophet confronting him. God spoke to Jeremiah through hearing the word of God and dictating it. There's, there's many different ways God spoke, and at many different times, and part of what's going on here is how this is a gradual, growing revelation that God is sharing with us. So there's a sense in which God shares a little bit about um, how he is planning um, to redeem people when he says, to Eve that, or to Adam and Eve, that the, the seed of the woman will um, crush the serpent's head. So there's a little bit there, but it grows as, as David is told that God's going to have a covenant with him and have a king forever. And there's a little bit more revealed as Jeremiah hears there's going to be a new covenant. And so the idea is that there's this gradual revelation taking place throughout the history of God's people but none of it is in the fullness that we see now in Christ Jesus. That doesn't mean it's not true. It doesn't mean it's irrelevant. It doesn't mean it's to be ignored. It means it's growing, and it's part of a fullness that is fully realized in Christ, the fulfillment of all these prophecies, because this is what he says, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets, but in these last days he's spoken to us, by his son. So it's the same God who speaks. There's continuity. Um, it's growing revelation that is coming to us in Jesus. Um, but there is something now different and distinct in the fullness of who Jesus is. So this is what we want to um, pay a little attention to. The first is we want to see the continuity and recognize that it is the God, same God speaking fulfilled in Jesus, um, that, that has deep implications for us. That means to be a Christian is not to be a New Testament Christian. To be a Christian is to be a whole Bible Christian. We need to go and hear the stories and the revelation of the same God speaking to fully understand who Jesus is. Because when Jesus says, this is the cup of the new covenant, 
to, to, to hear that without understanding the, the history of that covenant, we don't understand fully what he's saying. When, when we hear that he is the Messiah, we have to have the background to understand who the Messiah is and what the promise of the Messiah is. And so we don't discard the Old Testament. We, we don't put it away. We listen to it and we hear it. And, and not only that, it has become at times something people want to contradict parts of it. They want to say, well, this is what the Old Testament says, but now Jesus says this. That's what the law says, but now the gospel says this, and they're not in contradiction. The same God who spoke, revealing his law to Moses, is the same God who speaks in Jesus Christ. There's not a contradiction. He doesn't change his mind. He doesn't say, oh, just forget about that. Let's, let's start new. So we hear the Old Testament as the fullness of um, a fully truthful revelation that is growing and completed in Christ Jesus, which also means when you're reading all of Scripture, but when you're reading the Old Testament, that, doesn't, that means you ought to see how it's pointing to Jesus, how it's pointing us to redemption, how it's pointing us to the gospel. And so we, we hear the stories of um, David finding Goliath. Yes, it's an example for us. Yes, it's to, to show us a, a picture of courage. Yes, it's to, there, there's rules and there's laws and there's things that show us God's will. But ultimately, it's showing us a king champion who fights on our behalf to defeat enemies we can't defeat. We see all of this pointing to Jesus. So we see a continuity, but there's also kind of a, 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 a contrast. And part of that contrast is God spoke to our fathers, and God has spoken to us by His Son. That means that's past tense. Many ways and many ways, many times, God spoke. But now in these later days, He's given us the Son. That means those ways of speaking have now ceased. We're not looking for visions and dreams. We're not waiting to have a prophet come say, this is what um, God has for you now, because those things were in the past. Those days were spoken to our fathers, but now he has spoken to us by the Son. We don't anticipate continuing revelation. We don't have new revelation of what God's doing because it was fulfilled in Jesus Christ. And so all of those words of the prophets are combined into this book. And the apostles who witnessed Jesus and who heard Jesus' word and bear testimony to Jesus, those words are in this book. That means the scriptures are sufficient. And we don't look for somebody else saying, I have a new revelation, I have a new vision, I have a new dream to tell you what God wants for us. And we trust God's Spirit to guide us in understanding this word. We trust God's Spirit to guide us in the providence of having a community that's going to um, talk and, and use our reason and, and read Scripture together. But we believe these ways of speaking in the past our past tense. Let me tell you that, that that is a hugely freeing thing for you. The first thing is, I'm, I'm occasionally around believers who say, 
you know, God told me I need to go do this. And it used to be that I would really feel, I'm just not quite as spiritual as that person. God told them to go talk to that person. God didn't tell me much of anything. I must not be as holy as that person. Do you have friends like that or family like that who talk as though they spoke to God and heard God speak in the same way that you talked to the, the postal carrier last Tuesday? As though it was no big deal. You know, yeah, God, God told me these lottery numbers. God, God told me to go talk to this sick friend or something. I, that, that kind of sets you up to say, I've got to listen to the really holy people because God talks to them. Or it sets you up kind of a thing, maybe you've had this in your background. A lot of us had tra- traditions where there was the sense of you have to live in God's will. And by living in God's will, it didn't mean understand the book and understand God's law and obey the law. What it meant was God secretly has a person for you to marry. And you have to pray and fast and, and get a liver shiver and some kind of Holy Spirit guidance to say this is the person you're going to marry. And if you don't, I mean, you know, or, or this is what job you're going to do, or this is where you're going to buy a house. And the thing is, if, if that's what you're doing and you're looking for it, it can be really frustrating to think I'm, I might do what God doesn't want me to do. I might marry the wrong person. I might buy the house, wrong house because God really has a secret will for me, and I have to find it by being so in tune to the Spirit that I hear God speak to me. I don't know if that's a problem for many of y'all if you've ever heard that, but here's the relief. God's will is given to us to obey. I know not to kill, not to steal, to turn the other cheek, to show compassion, to be generous. He doesn't tell you who to marry and where to live and what job to go into in, in, in that way. Now, he, there, there might be some obvious things in your life. You know, if you hate numbers, don't become an accountant. Um, the Holy Spirit might confirm that to you. There's some friends who say, no, you would be lousy at that. But, but the point is, we have God's will. We don't have to peer out and figure out things God has not shown to us and listen for revelation that God has not promised us. The other way that free, frees us is, imagine we have a session meeting. And I go to that session meeting. I say, God has told me that um, the church really needs to put a hot tub at the manse. Now, I don't know why, I don't know, you know, talk, take it up with God. Now people are kind of saying, I mean, I mean, I could tell you what our elders would say, but what I mean to say is if, if you're having a discussion about what we are to do, and I'm saying this is what God told me, I'm taking it up rather than disagreeing with me, that's disobeying God. That's rejecting the Holy Spirit. Now, I, I use that as a joke, but we have... Brothers and sisters who are being told God has revealed something to the leader and they need to follow that revelation or they're resisting the will of God. That's not the way church works. That's not what we're promised. We don't declare God speaks to us and gives us new revelation. We listen to the one revelation we have through the prophets and the apostles given to us in Scripture, which means we can argue, which means people can say, I don't think God's leading us to do this because this is what Scripture says. We don't get up and say, this is definitely what God is doing because we are infallible and we need to be able to recognize our faults, recognize that we might not be doing the wisest thing. 
So we have freedom to be responsible for anything outside of what God has revealed to us and making those decisions and realizing you're not going to overthrow the plans of a sovereign God. But it also frees you from abuse of authority to say, if you don't obey, you're, you're not doing what God wants you to do. The third part of this, we've continued. Those manners are in the past, but in the present, in the fullness is that Jesus is the ultimate revelation of God. And it's not just that he's in the last line of a group of prophets. He is something completely unique. The way this is contrasting, he has spoken to us in a prophet, but now he's spoken to us in the Son. This is not just another teacher. This is not someone else who has visions who's teaching us about God. This is now God himself is the Son of God. I have had many people look at Graham and say, anyone can tell you he's, he looks like you, he's your son. There's moments, um, Graham shares with us random detailed facts and jokes that take me a minute to get, and I realize that is my son. <laughs> Our children are the character of who we are, and doesn't it, parents, irritates you the most when your kids are the most like you. When you kind of, you want to get onto them and say, well, smart aleck nature comes on us, doesn't it? So there is something about who we are that's impressed on our children. That's what it's saying is he's not just a prophet bearing witness and pointing to. He is the character of God. Who he is reveals who God is. It's not just his teaching saying about God, but when Jesus says, let the little children come to me. It shows you the character of Almighty God. When Jesus has compassion on the hungry and he feeds them, it's not just that he has a lesson he's going to teach, but he's showing you something about the nature of God who has compassion on those who are in need. And, and, and when he looks at the woman caught in adultery and says, go and sin no more, you are forgiven, I don't condemn you, it's not just the words he says, but what he does is showing you the very heart of God to broken sinners. Prophets tell us about God. The Son shows us God. He shows us God's nature in not only what he says and not only what he teaches, but who he is and the person that he is. So believers... Why would you ever want to go beyond the fullness of God shown to you and revealed in Christ Jesus? Why would anyone feel the need for a Book of Mormon or a watchtower? Why would you ever look at astrology page except to laugh? Why would you ever turn to anything else if he's the fullness and has not promised that something else would come, but said he's the final revelation. Why would you look for any other revelation? Why would you listen to anyone who claimed to be a prophet or to have visions? Run for them. Get away from them. Or get them a psychologist. Don't listen to them if they're saying, I have the very words of God for you, because these are the very words of God for you. And believers, why would you neglect his word revealed to us in Christ Jesus. Why would you turn away from hearing his word to you or, or, or gathering together with believers to study the word or gathering together to hear his word proclaimed? 
one of my favorite guitarists is Eric Clapton. If you told me that Eric Clapton had an email sent to me, the service would be concluded really quickly, and I'd be on my phone seeing what Eric Clapton had to say. I mean, not that it would have any impact, but that's just the way we think about people we're excited about. If there's someone you, you, you love and you get a text from them, you're going to look at it as quick as you can. Why would the one who made all things and who loved you and has done all things for your good, if he's given you his word, why would you turn away from it and neglect it? Why would you listen to self-help gurus and other things that try to tell you how to live if he has his word for us? And if you're not sure what you believe, if you're not sure that you believe in Christ, if you're not sure that he is who he says he is, why would you look anywhere other than him? This is the claim is that he's not just another prophet, which is what everyone else says. That is, they, they say to have insight into who God is, and he says he is God. Now, that's not saying don't have doubts and don't ha- come with questions. You, you should test, can we trust the Scriptures? You should test, is, are we saying what the Scriptures actually say? That, that needs to be tested, and you need to be convinced of it. But if you do, you'll find the truthfulness of it. And why would you go anywhere else? Why would you turn to Joseph Smith? Why would you turn to Muhammad? Why would you turn to someone else who's saying they have a way that's going to live better if you do these things, if you do that, if you do these things, when he is one who comes to us and says, it's done, there's nothing else to do. I forgive you. I've gone to the cross to suffer for you. No one else lays down their life on your behalf. No one else looks at you and says, in spite of your sins, I make you my own, and I bring you in as a daughter and a son into the Father's house, not because of what you do, not because of what you will do, not because of second chances or what you're going to try, but completely out of my love and grace, which is unique in Jesus Christ. Why would you go anywhere else if grace is found in him and he is the ultimate revelation, if he is the one who came and laid down to his life, what more would you want? The ultimate revelation of who God is is shown to us in the cross. Turn to him, trust in him, and don't turn to any other thing. Would you please stand and let us state what we believe through the Nicene Creed.